Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at 12 noon to defend and to promote public education. That's education that's public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it's public in access, accessible to all children. No fees, no religious tests, no nothing. If a child comes into the school, then they have the right to be enrolled and have an education, and they should have a first-class public education. Our public schools should also be publicly owned and controlled without private-public partnerships, and they should be the only ones that are publicly funded because they are the only ones that can possibly be publicly accountable. And our governments should provide a first-rate public education for every child in Australia. And the dogs believe the only way they can do this is to stop the leaky sieve of public funding to private education. We have a website at www.adogs.info and here is our press release 710. It's been a very interesting week, hasn't it? And this is our take on it. The interesting thing about Gonski 2.0, the Catholic sector has lost the moral initiative while their political initiative is also under question. Despite concerted opposition from Labor, the public sector unions and the Catholic lobby, 10 members of the 12-person Senate crossbench announced their intention to support the government's Gonski 2.0 funding model on Wednesday. This enabled the Greens to walk away after gaining considerable concessions for the public sector and keep the teacher union supporters happy, and also to stop themselves from fracturing. The government agreed to pump $5 more into schools, thanks to the Greens, and to fast-track its spending plan from, uh, I think, down to six years from 10, and give Catholic schools a 12-month reprieve before removing their prized system-based funding arrangements. And I believe that's going to cost quite a few millions. So the Catholics got something of what they wanted, but they didn't get the main thing. Gonski 2.0, make no mistake about it, is a fraud. And public school supporters have no reason to be happy about its implementation as far as the actual funding levels are concerned. 
As Trevor Cobalt says, it entrenches structural incoherence and inequity in school funding, and the AEU is far from convinced. They express concern at the long-term consequences of the Commonwealth refusing to fund public education to more than 20%. So the states will be left carrying the baby. The only good news for public school supporters is that the Catholic sector, in spite of intense professional lobbying, and it is professional lobbying, did not achieve their aim of almost complete system autonomy with minimal public scrutiny of their skewed funding priorities. In 1963, from then on, thanks to the then uh, gentleman who became the Minister for Health in Victoria, we all had to feel sorry for the poor parish schools which the church had put up and kept poor for generations. And we had to feel sorry for them so that the Catholic Church could get, in the end, billions of dollars, but still keep the needy parish schools. Well, there aren't any needy parish schools anymore. They're getting more money than the state schools in a lot of cases. But the 12-month reprieve, which is worth $50 million, should help smooth over the divisions in the coalition party room where Mr Turnbull has quite a few ex-DLPs in his bunch. But one can only hope that the 50-year dissembling of the Catholic sector itself is under threat. It will now be interesting to watch the politicking of the Catholic sector in coming months because that's what it is. The Church has been proven to have discarded any real attempts to advantage the disadvantaged, instead diverting funds from the needy to the greedy, wealthy Catholic elite schools and new schools in needy middle-class areas. One of the many facets of the long-running and increasingly messy fight in Parliament this week over the issue of school funding has been that Like the banks and the mining companies before them, the Catholic school sector has sent in former politicians to make the case that their schools are hard done by, by the so-called Gonski 2.0 legislation. Public school supporters can only just look by in complete mystification as the Catholic sector argues that it's it's hard done by. But no mention has been made of the traditional reasons for the existence of the Catholic system in the first place. Instead, the bishops and the Catholic Education Commission have employed ex-MPs, most particularly the former Labor MP for Macmillan, Christian Zara. This gentleman is now the head of the National Catholic Education Commission in Canberra, and he has been very vocal and media savvy and upfront indeed in the past few weeks. Now, research has been done by journalist Josh Taylor for the Crikey Insider site. If you're on the Crikey Insider site, this is the information that you get and the dogs find it very interesting indeed. It indicates that this Christian Zara spent his entire time in Parliament in opposition during John Howard's tenure and left Parliament in 2004. 
He was in the Labour opposition, of course. He lost his seat to Liberal MP Russell Broadbent in 2004. And according to his speeches during his time in public office, Sarah had been consistent in his support for education, both public and private schooling, in fact. But Zara was relatively young when he left Parliament and he took on several directorships in the intervening years, most recently leading the Indigenous social enterprise organisation, Woonan Foundation. But in May in this last year, Zara became, well that's actually just um, a few weeks ago, he became the Executive Director of NCEC, that's the National Catholic Education Commission, taking up his post just a fortnight after the government announced the Gonski 2.0 funding proposal. Given his previous political career, his positioning seems less about getting the government to change its mind and more about shoring up the Labor's opposition as well as fronting the media to make the case as to why the Catholic schools would lose out under the Gonski 2.0. And let's just make a mistake. The Catholic Church always picks the winners, and they can see which way the voting is going in the electorate at the moment, and they think that the Labor Party are going to get into office next time. So they're making friends with Labor. Bye employing one of Labor's own, but also one of their own. Now, in announcing the appointment of Christian Zara last month, Archbishop Timothy Costello, the chairman of the Bishops' Commission for Catholic Education, said that Zara would speak clearly and passionately on behalf of Catholic school students, teachers and families. The other prominent spokesperson for the Catholic schools was Stephen Elder. Elder is the Executive Director of the Catholic Education Office in Victoria and he was a state Liberal MP until 1999. But unlike Zara, he has been involved in the Catholic education sector since he departed politics. He, I believe, was the um, son-in-law to Mr Bolte of previous time. The older uh, listeners will remember Mr Bolte, of course, and most people go over the Bolte Bridge every day. Bolte was responsible, as I remember, for the demolition of a lot of the the communities of Fitzroy and um, Carlton and other places in the putting up of those huge high-rise Housing Commission flats. Uh, Well, Elder's role has been more to front the parliamentary inquiry into the matter, into Gonski 2.0, but judging on the reaction he received from the coalition chair, Bridget McKenzie, having a former Liberal MP in the position to lobby the government on behalf of the Catholic sector might not be that effective. And here's an interchange. Elder said to the um, Parliamentary Committee, you're relying on a measure that's flawed, so you keep pushing a public policy which everyone understands when they're talking about, whether it be the Grattan Institute, Gonski or Associate Professor Farish. If the model's flawed, you have to say, this is bad public policy. You cannot say, we're going to give this amount to this school when... And Mackenzie responded, 
Mr Elder, thank you for your commentary. You can hold a press conference after this hearing and go hammer and tongs. Absolutely defend your right to do that. But here, I am asking the questions. Elder has a history of lobbying outside of the education sector as well. In 2014, he lobbied then Minister Kevin Andrews to get rid of the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission, which the government did not scrap. Now dumped from the ministry, Andrews has been one of the most vocal opponents on the backbench against the Gonski 2.0 funding arrangement for Catholic schools. And as we all know, uh, like Mr Abbott, uh, Mr Andrews has DLP inclinations. Now, the Catholic sector has long since lost the moral initiative in the education debate, if they ever had it. It appears that their political push and pull may also be reaching its limits. Public school supporters are fed up with the lies, lies and manipulated statistics of this sector. But they should be thankful for small mercies. It appears that the old moralising arguments have just given way to power play, pure and simple, and we can see them for what they are. The only good thing about Gonski 2.0 is that the Catholic sector might be forced to become more accountable for the billions of dollars of public money which is given to their bureaucracies to do what they want with it. So uh, that's that for me. Uh, Robert has something to say, but we also have a very interesting interview for you with uh, a teacher from within the uh, Education Union, who has finally, like a lot of people, come around to the dog's position. The only way to make sure that public schools get proper funding is to make sure that they are the only ones that get public funding because they are the only ones that can be accountable. But over to Robert. Thanks very much, Jean. You're listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the www.3cr.org.au. at 3cr.org.au. Um, Look, we will be actually talking to a member of the AEU Council. Not, as, not only is she a teacher, she's actually a member of the AEU Council. Now, the AEU have been participating in a very active way in this whole Godsky 2.0 debate. And I'm sure many listeners have been trying to get an understanding about what is actually going on. And it is immensely difficult to do so. It is so difficult to do so that I'm sure many listeners have just given up. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it something I can agree with? Is it something that I should oppose? The amounts of information that have been put out and the way they've been put out have been actually, I believe, deliberately confusing. Um, deliberately so, so that the majority of the population will go, well, God, I, I don't really care. Um, it's good for state schools, apparently. It's good for private schools, apparently. I don't know. Not my business. I hope it works out fine. But we'll be actually unpacking this in the simplest possible way here on the Defence of Government Schools program on 3CR after a little bit of music. <laughs>
welcome back to the Dogs Program. That was Us Mob with Sunshine. Um, it's a very interesting time in education policy. It's a very interesting time if you're part of the state school lobby, which we are at the heart of here at the Defence of Government Schools Organisation on 3CR. There's two things that have happened. Um, the first is that there has been a complete lack of understanding in the general public about what's going on. So you've tuned into the dogs to find out, probably. Um, we can tell you. It's pretty simple. Um, we don't necessarily agree with a lot of the parties that are going in, but I can tell you this. The whole point of it being Gonski 2.0 is wrong. What the Turnbull plan is has pretty much nothing to do with Gonski. It's not what Gonski intended. It's not what Ken Boston, one of the members of the Gonski original review, intended. It's not that at all. So whatever it is, it's not Gonski. The other thing, of course, is that the state and territory agreements with Ed for Education funding will actually be torn up with this. And what it means is that the federal government will fund 80% of all the costs for all private schools in perpetuity until the end of time. Um, this is a terrible thing because Simon Birmingham effectively becomes the Minister for Private Education. Simon Birmingham will only fund, pretty much only fund, private schools. The Commonwealth is responsible for 80% of the funding for private schools. For a state school, your local state primary school and for the local state secondary college and all the state schools around the place, the federal government will co cover the cost of 20% of that and the state governments which have much more unreliable funding structures, are responsible for the rest. Well, if that's going to happen, the state should take back income tax and the GST. They should also be the taxing authorities. Well, that's full of shoulds, Jim, but I'm telling you the way it's going to be after this agreement's signed. Also, what it does mean, because it's not Gonski, is that over $3 billion in funding will be cut from schools. Now, the coalition promised an additional $600 million over two years, but that is $3.2 billion less than is required to actually lift all the schools to an appropriate level of resourcing, as stated in the original Gonski proposal. So it's not more money, it's less money. It's not Gonski 2.0, it's not Gonski at all. The other thing you need to know when it comes to this whole thing about what's going on is that public schools will be under-resourced. They are under-resourced and they will continue to be under-resourced because of the funding breakup that I told you about. The federal government are washing their hands at government schools, even though they are, yes, that's right, the government. And the other thing is that private schools will, according to this model of funding that's put forward by Birmingham and Turnbull, will be overfunded. They won't be underfunded. There will be a couple of schools on the top that will have their funding taken away, the very wealthy ones, but you know what? They don't care because they don't need it. But basically, the private school system will be overfunded. It is overfunded. It is agreed that it's overfunded. And it will continue to be overfunded. At the moment, 17% of private schools in Australia, this, is, this, this isn't a contested figure, 17% are now currently overfunded. After 10 years, that will rise to 65% if this plan, which now it's been put together, goes ahead. Take them over. So there's... There's five facts, put together actually, incidentally, by the Australian Education Union, but they're all just true. There is one more fact which I'd like to discuss, but I think we'll actually hear not just from the official AEU point of view. We're going to now put to an interview with a council member from the AEU who has a position that is separate to the broader um, Australian Education Union's position, which I think is very interesting. I think it's very informative because this is the position put forward by a number of teachers and educators and people both inside the union and out that state categorically the government should not be responsible for the funding of private education in Australia. 
And this is coming from inside the AEU, not just from the studios here at 3CR, from the dogs. Now, this interview should have gone to air two weeks ago, and we apologise for that. But the interview was so important and interesting, I think it's important that our listeners do get to hear it. Because often in the dogs we feel like we're a voice in the wilderness, and it's wonderful to hear informed and educated discussion about this issue from um, all over Australia, of course, we get that, but from within the ranks of the Australian Education Union. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast. Now, as promised, of course, we have a guest on the show. Um, it's Lucy Honan uh, from the Australian Education Union. Um, welcome to the program, Lucy. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, look, no, thank you for taking the time and trouble. Um, we've, we're speaking to you because there's a statement that's been put out uh, signed by a very interesting and broad range of people. And the, enti- and the title of the statement that's been put out is It's Time to Question Gonski. Fight for public education. No to public funding for private schools. Um, and that comes out from, well, from you, Lucy. Can, can you tell me about where this statement has come from? I mean, it's one that we definitely agree with here at the Dogs. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I'm an AEU councillor. That means I'm elected to the AEU Victoria Branch Council. Yeah. Um, and there have been a, a couple of us um, rank-and-file members of the AEU who have been concerned for a number of years about um, the direction of the Gonski debate um, and the way that um, the, the general political debate about public funding for education has been going Um And... I guess our concerns have revolved around a few things. One, that the Gonski, the original Gonski recommendations always included, you know, retaining very, very high levels of public funding for private schools. And this idea of sector blindness seems to a lot of us um, teacher unionists to be a very concerning acceptance of the idea that, you know, there should be public funding for essentially school segregation. Um, and that's a position that, you know, anyone who is alarmed at the rate of segregation in Australian public schools would be alarmed about and should be alarmed about that, I think. Mm. Um, I guess, that, and, and our concern developed over the next couple of years as we just kind of, our union seemed to kind of settle in to, you know, backing Gunsky completely uncritically. Um, but uh, we, we decided to, and I decided to draft this statement and send it around for feedback and comment and discussion um, at the last council meeting when, you know, we raised the concern that the Liberal Party has now positioned itself as though it is, you know, at the forefront of undermining that public funding for private schools with Gonski 2.0 mm. and the Labor Party kind of digging in and saying, no, the Catholic schools deserve the money and, you know, that sort of positioning... Um, and the confusion around what 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 is the idea of Gonski? What are what are the points and principles behind the thing, the whole thing? Where is public education sit in all of this? And that voice of public funding for public schools and fully funded public schools just seemed to be totally lost. So that's why we decided let's get back to the real principles that are at stake here and talk about public funding for public schools, no to private funding to, for public for. No to public funding for private schools. Well, yeah, I mean, public funding for private schools is sort of a bit oxymoronic. I mean, we've always thought that here at the Dogs. Now, your your statement um, is actually very specific. There's four points, but I want to focus on your second point. 
Um, and this is from a well, from from people from the AEU, um, but it's also been signed by people from various other um, educational institutions and other educational experts. But your second point is to demand public funds are used to fully fund public schools and to end public subsidies for private schools. Um, now, back in the day of Gonski, of course, uh, I don't want to feel sorry for Gonski. I've, I've had a chat with him about it personally, actually. But he was prevented, um, he was prevented from ever considering a model that would take money away from private schools when he was given his brief by Julia Gillard. Um, at the time. So your basic concerns, and I think they're very real ones, and I think now we're living with the consequences of, of what happened, because we're now in 2017 and Gonski's, you know, in various forms has been around, or the whole process has been around for some time. Um, the AEU at that time um, did, um, I, I, as I recall, raise some concerns about the framework for the original Gonski, but, but nothing popped up at the time, and it's just, I think it's absolutely fascinating to be talking to you, Lucy, now, a, a council member of the AAU in 2017, saying, hang on, the original question wasn't addressed, we need to address it now. What, what is it about the timing of what's going on now that, that means that you feel as though you have to do something about this question? Mm. Um, the timing, I guess the school funding debate that's erupted over the last month, um, you know, where... Turnbull has said, you know, and Birmingham has said that we're going to um, turn off, well, they, they, they suggest that they're turning off the tap to private schools um, and that they, um, you know, and David Gonski came out in support of their 2.0 version, which is less money, um, and they're kind of suggesting that that less money is going is going to be cutting off the funding to the, the super-rich private schools. Mm. Um so the, this idea that, you know, the Liberals are leading the show is <laughs> on, on something that's a core principle for so many, I think is, is a debilitating element of, um, you know, of the Gonski campaign. Because, you know, for years we've been saying that, you know, in our green shirts, shirts I give a Gonski and, you know, the full Gonski. And now here's Gonski himself saying, I've got this new version, it's less money, um, it's it's a different version of the same thing, um, but it's fairer and it's going to work and it's kind of what I always wanted to do anyway. But then when you look closer at it and you look closer at what the 2.0 is, it's still got 80% of private schools' basic funding being paid by the federal government yeah. and 20% of public schools' basic funding being paid by the federal government. Yep. The, the, the incredible distortion there, it just at any time I mention that to anybody, they kind of, it's like a slap in the face, like they had been led down this garden path to think that things were getting fairer and no, <laughs> can you think of a more incredible distortion in favour of the rich and elite at that basic level? So, oh, you know, it, this it, is, it, this it, is it, something that we raised at council hmm. and, and, you know, even our fellow councillors were kind of saying, what? What, what are you talking about? That can't be the case. And then you look at the press releases and, and some more of the media coming out and that's exactly what's going on. Hmm. Well, actually, in terms of the current debate and your statement, there's, there's a couple of points I'd, I'd like to address. Um, here at the Dogs, obviously, we're, and our listeners are very well aware of the figures you're talking about and, and, and the sort of horrific nature of them. But when it comes to total funding, when you combine state and federal um, funding, in 2017... Um, a fair, fair bit of work has been done by, by ourselves and by uh, Bonner and by Cabot as well that shows that 
if you combine both state and federal government funding, private schools basically get a dollar for every dollar that's given to a child in a state school. So for every dollar that's given to a child that needs it in Australia, a child in a state school, a dollar has to be given under the current funding model to a child that doesn't need it. This is irrespective of whether they need it or not, in, in that, you know, no child left behind, no, no, no child loses, no school loses, no system loses. Um, one of the fundamental questions that relates to this, you know, giving money to children who don't need it is that private schools are in fact exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this country, mainly because most of them have some form of religious basis to them. I don't really care what it is, but they do. Um, and so, therefore, they can hire and fire and sack and expel and suspend to their heart's content. Um, state schools, of course, have a much, a much, I think, much more valuable uh, values, a set of values, which is to say that, no, no, it, it's our responsibility to educate all the children. Um, and so this fundamental disparity, this fundamental difference between types of schools, those which are exclusive by definition and exempt from the laws, and those schools which are not exclusive and are not exempt from the laws of the country uh, seems to, um, are always talked about in terms of dollars as being equal, but they're not. Do, do you, I mean, obviously, I think you might have an opinion about this. I'd like to hear what that is and also what the AEU's position is on this fundamental difference between school systems and school types. Mm. I think generally the AEU, most AEU members, you know, because we are public school teachers, um, and unionists, I, can, I think most of us can see that there's an inherent problem in that. And I think most AEU members, when they, you know, hold up their green give a Gonski sign or, you know, they get they sign on a, a Gonski statement, I think there's some general sense that they are supporting a campaign that's trying to undermine that because those are long-held, you know, public school principles, public school union principles, Um and I, you know, like I, I, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm just horrified by it. And I think the idea that there can be that level of segregation um, and elitism built into the system and publicly funded, you know, any anybody who's taught in a public school, anybody, even teachers, you know, there are teachers who are on the sign-on statement who, who are who are teachers at private schools. You know, it's hmm. impossible not to see the obvious. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, and failing I, in that system. Oh, and I'm, I, I can assure you there's some deeply religious people on your list as well. It, it sort of cuts across. Yeah. It, it's, it's a principle that goes beyond all of those things. That's um, right. So speaking about all these people that you've got involved in this process, people who have currently signed on, can you tell me about perhaps a few of these people and what was it that sort of brought many of them to this situation of saying, I want to sign this statement? Mm, okay, so a lot of the people... Um, who first signed on to it are AU councillors, the people who, you know, like me, uh, have been involved in some of the evolution of discussion at the AU council meetings. Mm. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they're high school teachers, primary school teachers, integration aides who, you know, ca- can feel very, very... Um, the issue is close to the bone um, for all of us. And I think one of the things that's come out in debates and reasons that people wanted to sign it from that perspective is that there is this sense of our conditions seem to be lost in the debate as well. Like, where where is the discussion about turning around time for teachers? Where is the discussion about class sizes and all this school funding business? Mm. And there's a sinking feeling amongst many of us that 
you know, this Gonski funding is not even if it comes through, you know, and, and in whatever form the final five or six years comes through, what will it be tied to? And there's a terrified feeling amongst many of us that it will be tied to testing more coaching regimes that are punitive rather than assisting and, you know, that sort of thing. So that's that's some of us, um, you know, union delegates and um, rank-and-file union members. There are some education academics on there, for example. Um, yeah. Jane Kenway and Jessica Gerard, who have signed on, um, and your very own um, Jean from yeah. Dogs has signed on as well. So I think... There's a lot of people who can see what you know the kinds of thing that, things that you've described, and they're the kind of people who have been looking at this issue in the face and looking beyond the headlines to see the reality of it. Mm. Um, but as well as that, um, just people, you know, rank and file union members and teachers and um, uh, people, unionists in general, even beyond the teaching service, who who want more, who want some reality to this debate, who want to change the um, change the kind of gloss and go back to back to core principles about funding education, public education. Yeah, look, um, I, just just a couple of points on, on what you said, and, and thanks very much for sharing this in, in such great detail. I mean, I've highlighted one of the things that you've mentioned, which is public funds for public schools only, but there are other things, and I think you've hinted at it there, that um, you, you, you're demanding that public funds to schools to provide class sizes of appropriate numbers, 15 to 20, and by the way, that's a really good number if you ask me, and I'm an expert, and increasing teacher prep time so that they can prepare appropriately, um, and also to reinstate the actual amount of money, um, because this whole thing actually involves a very substantial cut, um, Gonski 2.0, in the, in, the, in the amount of billions of dollars, and also indeed to um, axe the, inverted commas, review to achieve educational excellence in Australian schools. Um, that's just a collection of words, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't really mean much at all. Um, now, all of these things, obviously, are, are, are dear in, in, in sort of perhaps various measures to all the people that have signed on. But I would put it to you that this statement that you've put out, and specifically back to the demanding public funds for public schools only, many academics in particular, and also other people involved in the education debate, would have run a mile ten years ago um, from this statement. Um, mm. in, in our experience, and we've been fighting this battle for a long time, um, academics are cowards. <laughs> um, <laughs> and structurally, they sort of have to be because they, they, they want to know where the, next, where the next grant's coming from. Um, mm. But, I mean, look, and, you know, having sort of dealt with that sort of world, I have some sympathy, but not a lot. But academics of various sorts have sort of stepped back from this demand of public funds for public schools only. But that's shifting at the moment. This statement that you've come out with is not in isolation. You're not the only people that are scratching your heads going, hang on, where have we got to? Um, Do you think, I mean, just in terms of talking to people about this situation, that this whole question of, hang on, it's all a bit silly, we need to do something, is is more imperative now than perhaps it was five years ago, ten years ago? I'm not sure if you were involved in the debate back then. Mm. Um, I I don't... Let me think about it. For... When I, I became a teacher in 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. um, so it was just a couple of years before the Gonski review came out. And when it, you know, like when, when it came out, we were all asked. I was a budding union delegate at um, my high school, and we were invited to um, contribute to some, you know, um, 
papers and put in submissions to the to the review and that sort of thing. And at that time, I I didn't feel like there was any any um, pessimism or carefulness or anything like that. And before the Gonski review came out, I felt like it was open slather. You could you, you had to say, you know, this was our chance to say that we need the funds and we need them for these reasons. And it's unfair because of X, Y, and Z. You know, that that was my sense of it at the time, and perhaps that was because I was particularly enthusiastic and mm. hopeful. But um, it, as soon as the Gonski review came out, though, I feel like that the room for this this demand uh, closed very, very quickly. Um, And as our union, I can't say about academics, I'm not generally in that world, but I I felt that our union um, had an opportunity to hold open that space um, and and to to be very critical and to say, yes, we need the Gonski money. Yes, we need, you know, a massive injection of funding, but that funding needs to be on our terms. It should not be tied to NAPLAN outcomes Mm. and Mm. it should not be going to private schools. And yes. I think that that would be an eminently defensible, if not winnable, then at least a principled stand to take and fight for. Um, and I think, you know, that that opportunity was there, and I was sad to see it go. Very kind of shocked to see it go, but it did go. So there didn't was it? this kind of sorry. It, it did go. I do agree with you. If, if you're talking, if you listed the advocates for state schools. Um, over the yeah. last 20 years, like the people who stand for state schools, who, who promote state schools, who, who defend state schools. I mean, there's us, of course. But um, there have been times when I would not have put the AEU on that list, um, which is sad from our point of <laughs> view because we were a bit surprised. Yeah, but I'm, obviously, I'm, that's I'm, not I'm, universally the case, but um, in, in terms of standing There was up, an saying, election campaign where we were given professional development at one of the AEU... Um, uh, like a pre-meeting, hmm. this is how you do election campaigning sort of thing. And we were, you know, um, shown a role play and invited to participate in role plays about um, door knocking and, you know, in, in some marginal seat. And we were encouraged not to say, not to talk about public education. We were encouraged to say this is for all schools. Mm. Um, and it was a big no-no. Um, and the kind of the, the company that had been hired to do the... Um, the communications and work out the right messaging, etc. had had told us, you know, like don't don't mention public schools. It's going to hurt the campaign and it's going to hurt our chances. Of course, that's what we want. Secretly, we want the funding for public schools. But you know, when we're out campaigning, we don't mention it. Um, and I think that gets you into a real pickle if you're not honest about what you actually want. Um, and yes. I think part of the problem of this situation where the Liberals are looking like they're the ones who are defending public schools is because we have gone down that path. But I, d- I don't think it's the end of it. This is why we put out the statement. Because Oh, it's, it's, it's I, a deeply courageous statement. Sorry, I, I just find it amazing and extraordinary. And when Jean brought it to my attention, I went, oh, this is extraordinary. I, I don't know who Lucy is, but, <laughs> but, but she's an extraordinary woman to do this. Um, or I, I don't know if it was just you. I'm sure you had help and people around you. Obviously, the signatories are part of that. But it, it is, in, in the context, just an extraordinary thing to have done, um, uh, to come out of the AU in, in whatever form. Um, Lucy, there's a long history of this in, in the AU. Um, the New South Wales Teachers Federation is, was always stronger than the other, other, other groups, but um, down here in Victoria, there was always, in the earlier days, particularly with the VSTA, uh, private school interests in the, um, 
in the AU, what became the AU. It was the VSTA in those days. Um, and um, they wouldn't have anything to do with the dogs, for example. But that was a long time ago. Unfortunately, um, some people have a price. I can remember one parent at the school where I was the school president of the council saying to me, um, everybody has their price, Jean. It's just that yours is higher. Well, I don't know. Um, in, ed- in education, in, in politics, in the relationship between the, um, educa- the unions and the Labor Party, uh, and even perhaps the Greens, um, and certainly the Liberal Party, um, you have conflicting, uh, conflicting interests uh, in, in leadership positions. Mm. But to be fair... The, the union, the Australian Education Union, held out on the state aid issue for a long, long time uh, back in the 1970s and 80s and 90s. So yeah. it's a long, there is actually a yeah. history here, which you're yeah. now tapping into, I suppose. Yeah. So um, <laughs> your, your sort of surprising, um, I would say courage, um, has a long tradition. <laughs> you're, you're, you're part of something that goes back, back a long way. Um, I'd like to actually delve into something that's a bit complex, um, and perhaps you can't talk about it directly, but in the current debate about Gonski 2.0, um, the, as you mentioned, the, the Liberal Party seems to be taking the lead and foofing on about how, how, how nice they are to state schools, whereas, in fact, um, that's, that, that's a very debatable point. But, indeed, strangely enough, the, the Federal Labor Party in particular, and perhaps state Labor, the Labor Party, has absented themselves from, from this whole debate. Um, it's, it, it's a really strange position from, from the dog's perspective that the Labor Party's taken. Now, I know the Australian Education Union and the Labor Party have, have connections, but they're not sitting at the same thing. Um, what's going on <laughs> um, in, in terms of the politics um, of, of education funding? I mean, here at the dogs, we don't think there should be any politics to do with something so important. It should be set out separate to politics, but... The Labor Party's taken some very strange positions, certainly supporting the Catholic school sector for some strange reason. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I, there are lots of theories floating around, you know, about that, like mm. the Mark Latham effect, you know, this the, the idea that the Labor Party learnt its lesson from, you know, what the Catholic lobby did to Mark Latham and it will never go against Catholic schools again and that sort of thing. Mm. I feel like, to be honest with you, that there's there's a responsibility on our side, you know, the, on the on the public education defenders side, on, yeah. on public school teachers side, that you know we are and should be the powerful lobby. You know, we have the moral high ground, we have the bigger numbers, we have extraordinary experience, and we've got union structures that you know. They they may be a little bit dormant, but as you alluded to, Jean, they're incredibly strong and, and have a profound history. Sixty six percent still. I think I think the responsibility is on our side to mm. um, you know to force the Labor Party to to be scared of us. You know what I mean? To be yeah. to be yeah. to be anxious about getting our side off. And I think that's kind of I don't know not to not to be a bit mea culpa about it, but I do I do think that that's. Uh, a, there's a dynamism about the whole debate um, and the squeaky wheel gets the 
billions of dollars. Uh, I, I <laughs> and we look, need to be have, a much squeakier wheel. Well, have a look at the um, have a look at uh, the Greens and Hanson Young in the Senate. Uh, she she told yes. um, the Labor Senator Jacinta Collins that she was uh, running a protection racket for the Catholic sector. She withdrew this, but um, she had a go. And Le- of course, Rhiannon up in New South Wales. Um, New South Wales has always been been a bit stronger, perhaps. So the the centre, oh, the powerful place in in Australian politics, and Archbishop Mannix worked it out in 1911, is the middle ground, and it was the DLP and their votes which led to state aid being given in the first place. But the DLP's gone. What are they really frightened of? What are they really, really mm. frightened of? Um, Xenophon could I, well... Yeah, I don't... Yeah. I, I think part of it is just um, an ideological attachment to it. I mean, I don't think... One of the funny things when I finally got around to actually reading the initial Gonski review was to um, realise how anxious the ruling class is about the state of public education and, and the Australian education oh, system. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, the first couple of chapters are this kind of anxious fret about the fact that the inequality is so high and it's having a terrible impact, not just on working class kids, but now it's kind of, it's having this drag effect on everybody, potentially. Yeah. Um, and I think there is some element to which they, they are genuinely concerned, you know, like Labor, Liberal and the Greens, they, and, you know, Gonski, representative of the business class, they're, they're very anxious about the fact that this is happening in schools but they are so committed to the idea that it's you know, the idea of choice the idea of private um, participation in your own fund, uh, in your own education, the idea that government you know, government sector should be uh, not the first choice, not, not the world class system but a, you know, a safety net those kind of neoliberal ideas seem to be underpinning a lot of this quite backwards and weird situation that we're in. Oh, those ideas, I think you'll find, Lucy, are now no longer fit for purpose. Um, we've been, in, I mean, just perhaps to give you a hint, we've been involved in this debate for some time and we've been called all sorts of terrible things. Under this. And we, we've been called racist, we've been called sectarian, we've been called all sorts. Um, we haven't been called any of those things for a few years um, because none of it actually makes sense mm. anymore. Uh, um, you know, if, if, if we say the Catholic <laughs> school system shouldn't get any money, people say, oh, well, you're just being anti-Catholic. That, that doesn't work anymore because the numbers are so large. And, and in that particular instance, um, the Catholic education system gets its money in an unaccountable fashion. Um, they, they just get the money and then do what they like with it. They can, send, they can build lost leading schools in outer urban suburbs um, with, with government money, which is what they do. Um, so those sorts of sort of... Points of debate are now gone, and I think you're right. Where all that's left is this concept of choice um, in, a, in a neoliberal yeah. sense, and I don't think that's a strong enough argument when, when, when lined up against everything that you've mentioned in terms of inequity and separation and segregation. Some people might even say apartheid, based upon um, religion and income that we yeah. have here in Australia with with the education system. So, to give you heart, all all the old arguments um, in terms of the public private <laughs> debate have sort of fallen away, because the numbers are just so. I hope large. you. I hope you're right. But I, I, my, my concern. I mean, I think that's probably 
people's deepest sense in terms of the funding debate. I feel like the bigger battle, though, is all of the, um, you know, and you said before that the review to achieve educational excellence in Australian schools is a collection of words. And on one level, I think that's true. It mm. sounds like gobbledygook. But I, I, I feel like some of the, um, some of the way that this gets thrown up and confused again is the idea that you just can't, it's not even about funding. It's not even about throwing money at schools because, you know, we've been throwing money at schools for years. The education budget has been going up and look, they're still mucking it up sort of thing. Mm. And the teacher bashing that kind of is insidious in all of this debate. I think it's really it's an important part of it, and although it's not obvious at the moment, I think it's I think there's a through line there, um, because the you know the next step for Gonski is to tell us what is going to happen with mm. that money, and the idea that you know there there should be some particular form of you know I don't, I don't know I'm, I shudder to think what he's going to come up with in terms of you know what teachers should be doing next, and the you know the more um, classic, I guess, arguments about how to improve education, which are really about funding teachers um, and funding class, well, you know, lowering class sizes, which is also about funding teachers. That is lost. And so when you're talking about education funding and these billions of dollars, people's sense of what that money goes to and what it would be for, I, I think there's a there's a, a slipping in of the scepticism about the need for it or the... Um, you know, the usefulness of that funding or, you know, that it might just be throwing money in the bin sort of thing. Mm. Um, and I, I think the other part of it is, that, and that fits really well with the school choice ideology, is the whole My School website, which has been, you know, I, I think some really excellent academics have been extracting information about that to support the idea that government schools should be funded properly. But the way that it's been parents are encouraged to use it to choose schools and to choose um, not their local school but to choose a school that would be best for their kids. Mm. I think the impact on that on public schools is really detrimental as well and it's, uh, I'm concerned that that, you know, in amongst this funding debate that is going to be strengthened and bolstered no matter what what we come out with. Oh, look, uh, you're an immensely clever and thoughtful person, Lucy. So I, I think everything you said is 100% accurate. Uh, my school is a double-edged sword, I would have to say. We use it a great deal in terms of understanding the financial position of individual schools, um, which has, through my school, become much more transparent than it ever was. So from our point of view, when people say, oh, the poor, the poor Catholic schools aren't getting enough money, we need to get some... You know, that, that, that is now patently not spoken in the same way because it's obviously and demonstrably not true. But um, in everything you suggest about the whole assessment process <laughs> and how assessments are used to drive, drive innovation is just, well, it's insidious. It's, it's managerialism in education, which is... People don't even talk about that anymore. It's just assumed, isn't it? Mm. If a thing's worth doing, it's worth assessing well. How well it's actually done <laughs> is, is, is less relevant. <laughs> um, mm. I'm, I'm slightly mm. old enough to remember a time when teaching was... Teaching was not like that. If a thing was worth doing, it was mm. worth doing well. And the assessments um, were one way, one way of, of getting at outcomes. It was, they certainly weren't the only way of doing things in the education sphere. And, of course, mm. there's, a, there's a great deal of work being done in Southeast Asia just at the moment, certainly in Hong Kong and Singapore, to get away from assessment-based learning <laughs> and into creating creative um, primary schools and secondary colleges so that... Um, 
when, when people do get to university, they um, have the capacity to generate new research rather than just regurgitate old stuff. I mean, this mm. is good education is not just happening in Finland anymore. It's happening in Southeast Asia. <laughs> and Australia seems to be well behind the eight ball when it comes to managerialism and education. Yeah, um, and I think it's getting, it's getting a lot worse. The, the, the demoralising impact that that has on teachers and students is quite terrifying. Yeah. Um, and the way that public schools are starting to mimic private schools, you know, in oh. attempts to expel kids, in, in attempts to design their own cohorts. That oh, and kids, kids you know, in Victoria in particular, kids not turning up on Napland days because they've been encouraged right. not to, yeah. and all, all sorts of horrific things which... Now, the kids yeah. aren't stupid. They know what's going on. They know they're being labelled, yeah. which is just a horrific situation to put them in, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the teacher in me coming out. It's called <laughs> payment by results, and it has happened before. It happened in the last 10, 20 years of the 19th century, 1880 to 1900, and it's always been regarded as a very low point in Australian educational history, but people have forgotten People have forgotten that payment by results is a, is a quite shocking thing and has a terrible effect on teachers and students alike. Yeah. Um, I'd just like actually perhaps to share an anecdote with listeners and yourself, Lucy. Um, I mentioned before I had a chat with uh, Mr Gonski. I had a chat with him in the in-between wilderness years. This is between one and two, <laughs> between <laughs> Gonski one and Gonski two, when he was no longer responsible for that. He was actually launching a book about himself and his father and his family because he has other interests. Um, and he was giving a talk, and, of course, all everyone wanted to know about was his work in the education sphere, and he was quite frustrated about this because he thought he was more interesting than just that. But he did mention um, about Gonski Point One. He said that his job, his job in relation to this whole thing was that he was a courtier. He was a courtier to power. And he compared his job to an advisor um, to King Louis <laughs> uh, just before the French Revolution. <laughs> and Gonski said, I'm here to warn power about what's happening. If you don't do something about what's going on in the education system in Australia, he said, then you're going to have what happened to King Louis. The rich and the powerful are going to be in a position, he said, <laughs> um, where there'll be a revolution, where bad things will happen. So you do need, for, for the sake of maintaining the order of things, you do need to give money to these, these children, otherwise you're going to have serious problems. And it's interesting to hear what you said about his original report, because <laughs> it tees up with that, his idea about what he was doing, what his role was, what he saw out there in the world, and he did, along with Ken Boston, who was also on the panel, they saw what was going on, and they tried to tell some sense of truth to power. Of course, they were prevented from doing this because Gillard gave them their initial brief saying you can't touch the private school system. Uh, before you start, you, you can't talk about that. But even, even through that restriction on his brief, he, he did attempt to tell truth to power and was ignored. Um, and now he's come back. I've got no idea. I haven't, haven't spoken to him for a couple of years. But I think what he said to me, um, it tees up with what your interpretation was of his initial review. Um, it's mm. a strange situation think, to talk yeah. about Australian education. In <laughs> it's a very strange metaphor to me. Mm. Mm. Well, well and, uh, revealing as well in the sense that I think he was very much trying to preserve the system. Yes. That's the other thing. I mean, even, even without Gillard's instruction that no school lose a dollar, when you look at 
you know, what the what the actual funding model is based on. The, you know, they outsourced a lot of the, the finer details of KPMG to sort out. Yes. And, you know, they explicitly said, look, let's get away from this, uh, you know, funding what they actually need, <laughs> needs-based funding. Let's, let's move to outcomes and let's move to the no child left behind version of things. Hmm. And it wasn't so severe as to actually tie it to um, funding outcomes. So you only get the dollars if you get the NAPLAN scores. But it was step before that with the very open intention that you could end up with something a little bit more like that. So you'd fund schools only the barest minimum of what they need to get 80% of their kids passing NAPLAN. Never hmm. mind about all the rest of, you know, all the things that we actually need. And I think that's a very preservationist attempt to deal with an extremely unequal system. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. A, a deeply insightful analysis. Um, where's it going to go from here, Lucy? Um, you've, you've, you've got these people involved, um, these people who've signed, your, si- signed this statement. I, I, is it mm. your statement? Is it an AEU statement? I'm trying to work it out. No, it's, 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 not, it's not an AEU statement. Yeah, although yeah. I, I thought I'd clarify <laughs> that. We'd love the AEU to... Um, to support it. Yeah. I think we have a while to go before that actually happens though and so we're going to raise it at our um, you know, regional meetings and at the at the council um, we want it, the issue debated a bit more um, openly in the AEU journal we'd love to have it more openly discussed and it's fantastic that you invited me to discuss with you because we just we just want this debate had out and yeah. um, an opportunity to, to really say let's let's change the direction and fight for what we really want. Um, so I think yes, debating it, following up with with the media, following up with other union members to force the issue in a real grassroots way. Oh, no state aid position has never gone away. There's always been a certain position, a certain percentage of people in Australia who have taken the no state aid position. Um, and the dogs, uh, over the years, we, we've had support from people from all walks of life, all ideological types. Um, and uh, you will find it again. You are the next generation. It's too important an issue. It really is so important. It's the next generation, and teachers are on the front line. So yeah. all your instincts are just so right, Lucy. Mm. Oh, thanks. You remember so great very much of where I was at in 1969. Yeah. Really? Yes, yes. When you look at the children, um, and they're not getting a fair deal, uh, and they give so much back to you, uh, you, you make a decision. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, we hope yeah. to have you on again sometime to see where this is all going, um, both inside and outside the AEU, because it's obviously a very important question. But thank you very much for giving us your time, and I have to say your very deep insights into this whole question, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to discuss with you. Yeah, Anytime. No, anytime, anytime at all. Bye for okay. now. Mm. Bye. Yeah, we are the Dogs Program on 3CR 855 on the AEO Dollar. It's been great to have your company over the hour. Um, if you're interested in this interview and all that we've been talking about and have spoken about, you can get in contact with us at the, on our website at adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. And until next week, when we'll be talking about the loss of face that the Catholic education system has endured through this process talking in detail about the fact that the Catholic education system has run out of rhetoric 
It's run out of policy, and all it has left is politics. And so, therefore, it is vulnerable in a situation where this debate has not finished but will continue into the future. But that's for next week. Um, and until then, from us here at the Defence of Government Schools on 3CR, it's um, bye for now. Bye for now.